Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Come on, Uncle Jed, the party's starting. Hear that music? And welcome to the very first episode of Sports Yak, brand new podcast. Hi, my name is Corey, and with me, hopefully, as always, will be Chuck Ribby. Chuck, hello. Hello. Let's give a little inside scoop on uh, who you are, who I am, who we are together. Uh, friends since 1991. Right. Uh, I came to South Bend from uh, a Michigan radio station. I worked upstairs at Channel 16 at U93. You were... Downstairs, down downstairs. in the newsroom. Yeah. And how long had you been there? I started there in 87, so mm-hmm. I'd been there four years. And back then it was the, the three-headed Hydra. There was yourself. Jeff Jeffers, Dean of Michiana Sports, uh, Jack Nolan, who had been there since 1982, and uh, then myself, who was hired in 87. And what were you specifically hired for? I think I've heard this I story. was specifically hired because neither Jeff nor Jack really wanted to do much on the high school scene. Mm-hmm. So they wanted somebody that knew the area and knew about high school sports. And that's primarily why I got hired. And then it branched out into other areas, including Notre Dame sports. Plenty of sports to carry or cover. Yeah, we're in a great <laughs> sports area here in South Bend, Indiana. You sit you know, kind of in a nexus between South Bend, Indianapolis, and Detroit. And, of course, you've got uh, one of the preeminent college football teams in the nation. So uh, Chuck and I have obviously been friends since 91. Uh, we had a, a break in the friendship. We were both working someplace else and then came back together here. And I've been here since '09. At Pulse FM, you gosh, when did you start here? I started in two thousand four. Okay, yeah, and kind of the same role: high school sports. Do a lot of high school sports. Still do some stuff with Notre Dame. Uh, we've done stuff with some of the other Christian colleges in the area, Bethel and Grace and Goshen, over the years. And probably uh, my favorite uh, plaque that hangs on your wall: Sportscaster of the Year, twenty seventeen. Such as it is. Yeah, I think they finally got to the F's in the Rolodex is what happened. Well, I thought it'd be fun. Uh, this is this is literally what we do pretty much every morning when Chuck stops by the morning show is whatever happened sports-wise last night, I ask him about it, and he does a, a, a terrific job of uh, telling me in layman's terms. He doesn't get to uh, down the rabbit hole with me unless I ask him to go deeper down the rabbit hole. We can go at whatever level you want to go at. All right. What's your connection to Notre Dame? I graduated from there in 1986. I worked in the sports information office as a student. That was my work-study job, was writing press releases and doing brochures and covering events for them uh, for four years. And then I've been around the area, so I've I've followed Notre Dame sports ever since I was probably five or six, really. You were a fan. Yeah. You are a fan. And I'm still a fan, but more of a journalist than a fan. Yeah. I love the story you told, you've told me before about the teacher taking you to that amazing basketball game when you were a- I was five years old. I was in kindergarten. My teacher, Miss Mizzarello, who is now Janice Horan, uh, 
knew that I was extremely interested in sports, and uh, she was a Notre Dame graduate student. Uh, she actually wasn't a Notre Dame graduate student, but they were living in graduate student housing. Her mm-hmm. husband was a grad. And so Notre Dame was getting ready to play UCLA. Notre Dame had a player named Austin Carr, who was a terrific scorer. In the 1970 NCAA tournament, he set a record scoring 61 points in a game. This was before they had the three-point rule. Okay. So she takes me to Notre Dame-UCLA at the ACC, as it was known then, and Austin Carr lights it up for 46 points, and the Irish beat the Bruins, and that was the last time UCLA lost until January of 1974, January 19, 1974, to be precise, when Notre Dame rallied from an 11-point deficit late and beat UCLA 71-70. You were five. I was five. <laughs> Do you still have the game ticket? No. B. Jean Freebie didn't hold on to that for you? No, she did not. When was the last time you physically missed a Notre Dame football game? A home football game? Yes. Uh, probably the birth of my child, uh, TJ. I think that's the last time, which is 2001. Now? Wow. Uh, so many different uh, hats you've worn when it comes to Notre Dame football. Uh, when you were at Channel 16, you'd, you'd do some stuff previous to the game on the NBC channel here locally. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when Don Cricky was covering the games, uh, you were... I was in the radio booth. I was what they call a spotter. A so. spotter. And, and I do this when I call a game. You, you make a chart of the different players with their numbers and their positions. And as the spotter, I would try to help identify not only who the ball carrier was and who made the tackle, but if there were any key blocks on the play, things like that. And you point to those players so that the announcer, and it's more difficult these days at Notre Dame Stadium because you are literally nine stories above the field. Yeah. And many times... When they when they built this new press box, there wasn't a whole lot of thought that went into it because they've put the radio booths down at about the 10-yard line. So not only are you nine stories up, but you might be 80 yards away from the play <laughs> that's going on as well. So you got to have great eyesight for one. Yeah, which unfortunately for Don, he does not have anymore. You're not doing that anymore, but you are doing an hour pregame show. Hour pregame on TV, and I do a postgame show on TV as well. And you're two, as we record this, you're two shows into it. Uh, how's it going so far? So far, so good. It's, you know, this is a show that I've been doing for a long time, but the other young people that are on the show with me have never done it before. So there's a lot of coaching up and trying to build people's confidence and mm-hmm. letting them know that it's only television and nobody's going to die and we're fine. Are either one of them uh, from the area, Notre Dame connected, anything? Uh, Well, Alex Wilcox, who is a TV co-host of mine, went to Notre Dame. He was actually a student manager uh, for a while or a student assistant coach. Uh, So he's from the area. Mark Skoll Jr. is not, nor is Lindsey Stone. So there's a lot of learning going on for them, too. Okay. Let's talk about Notre Dame Ball State this past weekend. Um, where's your view for the game when you're actually watching the game? I'm on the ninth floor of the press box, right around the 50-yard line I was last week. So that's not a shabby seat. I I do not take that for granted. I was in a sea of red, 10 rows down from the Jumbotron. Okay. And I made a decision because the Jumbotron plays such a pivotal role in the game now with instant replay and all the hoopla, 
I wasn't going to turn around. Everybody turned around. Every oh. chance they got to see, of course. see the play. Music wasn't that loud. I mean, it sounded like a, a great sound system, but I, I felt like I was missing something by not being able to look down the sidelines. I wonder if they'll ever – they can't put one in the center because of Touchdown Jesus, but I wonder if they could do two – Two miniature ones, maybe, on each side. I think there was something in the design at one point. But, see, the problem is if you put one on the northwest corner of the stadium, then you're blocking the view of the dome and the basilica. Yeah. So they don't want to do that either. Or the water tower. I made notes. Uh, here are some of your tweets from the game. Ha! <laughs> this at, ought to be good. At 46 Sports. Because uh, I follow you as I'm watching the game. Brandon Wimbush has been less than accurate in the passing game. That's a factual statement. Riley Neal has been impressive on this drive, making good decisions and plays. I thought Riley Neal, the Ball State quarterback, did a marvelous job of keeping his team in the game sometimes by throwing incomplete passes, but at least putting them where they weren't going to be intercepted. Another tweet. Typically, teams are supposed to make the most improvement from week one to week two. Not seeing that from ND today. Uh, didn't see it from them offensively. I thought defensively, while they didn't necessarily improve from week one to week two, I thought they set a pretty high standard in week one. So the defense didn't bother me. The offense bothered me. Let me ask you this. What, what did you see that you did like? Offensively? Sure. I thought... When Brandon Wimbush threw the ball deep down the field, he was better in his mechanics and his accuracy on those throws. Uh, I also like it when he's rolling out. What I don't like is when they have him take deep drops in the pocket, which pretty much negates his ability to run the ball, and now the defense knows exactly what he's going to do. I thought the offensive line did a terrible job protecting him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of things that I liked, I liked the way Tony Jones Jr. ran. I thought he showed some explosiveness at running back. And then, as I said, I thought defensively, Tavon Coney, I thought, played a wonderful game at middle linebacker. He wound up with 14 tackles, a sack. I think he had a fumble recover, or an interception or a fumble recovery, one of those. Uh, so he played a terrific game. You know, for the common fan, such as myself, and I think a lot of people said this is like, Ball State? We're mm-hmm. playing Ball State week two? I think there was a, some underestimating. I felt like Ball State ran with it. Wasn't just the common fan who did that. I think the Notre Dame coaches underestimated them. And I think Brian Kelly, as much as admitted it after the game, he said he was outcoached this week by Mike New of Ball State. I wonder if that means that he's going to give up some of his salary. You know, maybe they should do that like golf, where if you don't perform well in a certain week, you don't make that much money. Oh, boy. Let's get a memo together. Yeah, well, that's not going to happen. This next week, Vanderbilt. uh, More on that game in a bit. Another home game. How many home games in a row? Five? Three three in a row. Then they go to Wake Forest and come back and play Stanford. So four of the first five are at home, but you pay a price for that later in the year. Uh, NFL, let's talk Bears and Packers from last night. Man, I wish that game was a little earlier for us folks that get up. You aren't kidding. Early. This 8:30 on a Sunday night. I don't understand why the NFL puts us through that. Yeah. And they're doing it again with the Bears next Monday night. Next Monday the Seahawks. night. Seahawks. Yeah. But uh Bears, Packers, Aaron Rodgers is back. Uh who's his big new uh guy for the Bears? 
His name is Khalil Mack is the star of the show right now for the Bears, and he was sensational in the first half. Yeah, talk about his debut. Well, he comes out, and and he is he is basically a designated sack master. I mean, that's his job is to get to the quarterback, and he does his job very very well. First play, he takes Brian Belaga. The he's the offensive tackle for the Packers, and he basically just shoves him back into Aaron Rodgers and forces an incompletion that way. And then he maintained the pressure throughout the first half on Rodgers. So he gets a, a strip of the ball and a fumble recovery. They wind up, Rodgers gets injured, and he comes out of the game, and Deshaun Kaiser comes in, and there's so much pressure on Kaiser that Kaiser throws an interception right into the breadbasket of Mack, and Mack returns it all the way in for a touchdown. So that was the return of the Mack, and... The Bears have a 17-0 lead at halftime. And I get a phone call from my son in Denver, Colorado. And he is openly weeping because he is so filled with joy about the best half that he has ever seen the Chicago Bears play as a football team. (laughs) They have a 20-3 lead midway through the third quarter at Lambeau Field with a brand-new coach and a second-year quarterback, and things couldn't look any better. And then Satan incarnate himself, Aaron Rodgers, comes hobbling back in like Willis Reed in the 1970 NBA Finals for the New York Knicks, (laughs) and he leads the Packers to three touchdowns in the second half, and they beat the Bears 24-3. Top five quarterbacks in the NFL is Aaron Rodgers in that list. Yes, he's in that list. Definitely in that list. Who are the other four? I mean, let's put it this way. Even if you knew nothing about football, okay, the highest paid offensive player in the National Football League right now is Aaron Rodgers. They're not going to just throw that kind of money around for somebody that isn't good. Did he earn the paycheck last night? Yeah, he earned the paycheck last night. He comes hobbling back into the game after he leaves with some sort of hamstring, knee, hurt, something's wrong with my leg injury, and he comes hobbling back in and leads his team to victory when they're down by 17. I heard something, uh, uh, Graham, who plays for Green Bay. Jimmy Graham. Who's played under Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, and now Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. That's quite a career Yeah, of playing with the best. And and so top five quarterbacks, you know, obviously you're going to throw Tom Brady in there. Okay. You're going to throw Drew Brees in there. You're going to throw Aaron Rodgers in there. And then, then the debate starts to begin. Is, is Russell Wilson in there? He might be. Drew Brees and Tom Brady, who's older? Tom Brady. Tom Brady's in his 40s. Drew's not there yet. Drew's not there yet. He's getting there, yeah. but he's not there yet. Uh, I was. I told you off podcast, I, I was going to ask you about Super Bowl predictions. How about just playoffs? Packers in the playoffs? I don't think so. I I mean, I'm not convinced that the Bears are, are that great a football team, and the Packers definitely showed some weaknesses last night. I, I realize... Uh, they're trying to stop Khalil Mack, who is one of the best pass rushers in the game. But the Packers have had all kinds of problems with their offensive line in the last couple of years, and I'm not sure they're solved. They didn't make the playoffs last year. I love that uh, Mack didn't even go to camp. I bet you they just pulled him aside and said, go after the quarterback. 
Designated sack master. Yeah, that's what he does. That sounds like a t-shirt. Who else uh, did you see yesterday that earned their paycheck in the NFL? Did you see anybody else that you like? You know, to be honest, I didn't watch a lot of NFL yesterday. Uh, I think Andy Dalton probably earned his paycheck yesterday. Uh, The Bengals were in a similar circumstance to Green Bay. They were down by 13 in the third quarter to the Colts and came back and won that football game. Mm -hmm. And Dalton, I believe, had three touchdown passes in that game. So, yeah, I'll give him a, you earned your paycheck. I'll tell you who didn't earn his paycheck yesterday was Nathan Peterman. He's the Bills quarterback. Okay. And they got beat by that vaunted uh, attack of the Baltimore Ravens by a count of 41-3. to Ooh. The Buffalo Bills may be the worst team in the NFL this year. And that's worse than Cleveland, which hasn't won a game in 625 days. While we record this, it's tonight the Lions and the... Lions and the Jets. It's the debut of Sam Darnold as quarterback for the New York Jets. He's the USC quarterback that oh, okay. went in the first round. He, there were five quarterbacks taken in the first round last year, Corey, and he's probably the most heralded and most anticipated of those five. So a lot of people watching to see how he's going to do in New York with all the attention that goes with you as quarterback of the Jets uh, against a Lions team that, you know, Matthew Stafford, do you want to talk about top five quarterbacks? He, he could he be, be in the conversation. List. And a Lions team that has historically underachieved. Remember, uh, you asked a question on Twitter earlier this week. Uh, It's tough to be a blank fan. Yeah. And I would say a Lions fan has to be among the most long-suffering. They haven't won an NFL championship in 61 years. Wow. My goodness. Uh, Here locally in South Bend, Mishawaka, we call it Michiana because it's so close to Michigan and Indiana. Chuck does a high school game of the week. You've been calling those football games for... Well, since I came here in 2004, so 15th season now, the game of the week. I don't do math. So Last week, you you told me you had uh, quite the game. Northridge and Plymouth. Uh, Plymouth had a young man by the name of Blake Reed who ran for 250 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Northridge had a young man by the name of Tug Modulin. Tug showed up late for meetings during the week, so he was suspended for the first half of the game and had to sit there, and he watched his team build a 16-6 lead. And then Plymouth took the opening kickoff of the second half, came back, ran it down the field for a touchdown. They came back and on their second possession, took it down the field for a touchdown. So now Plymouth is up 20-16, to and that's when the Tug Modulin experience began. He ran for over 100 yards and three touchdowns in the second half alone. Oh and Northridge, in a seesaw battle, wins at 37-34 with the Plymouth Rockies. I feel like in the second half I would have heard some wonderful Tug metaphors had I watched the game. Did you pull out some classics? No, Nothing not really. Sleeve? Not really. Tug of War? Was that ever used? No, uh, I did bring up the fact that he drives motocross bikes in the off season Uh-oh. and he was certainly motoring tonight you ever think he gets up to red bud could be all right what are you doing your homework for this friday night saint joe at elkhart central elkhart central ranked in the top 10 in class 5a first time they've been a top 10 team since 2004 and josh shattuck their brand new coach shouldn't say brand new it's his second year 
has done a nice job developing that team, very solid defense, and they'll go up against a St. Joe quarterback by the name of Ashton Roskowski, who is getting some looks from schools like Valpo and Butler, could wind up matriculating there. St. Joe really had a, a handful against New Prairie. They lost 44-28, but they made 16 penalties in the game. They had two touchdowns called back because of penalties. So they've got to kind of get their discipline around and, and do a much better job. Butler and Valpo just made the list of the top colleges in the Midwest. They were the top three. Butler, Taylor, and Valpo. Wow. Uh, I always get nostalgic about this stuff. Do you get any touchy-feely when you're calling your alma mater and you're calling the school where all the kids went to? Yeah, yeah, uh, this week is my alma mater versus where my money goes. Uh, It still goes, yes. Yeah. We still got one in. Yeah. Yeah. So, are there triplets on the St. Joe team? I forgot yes, to ask you that. The Driscoll brothers. There are triplets playing on that team, and they're good. Yeah. Well, they scored the game-winning touchdown when we had them a couple of weeks ago against Marion. Two of the brothers. One of the brothers was carrying the football, fumbled into the end zone, and the other one of the other brothers recovered. Let's talk about Saturday. Uh, Notre Dame, of course, you'll cover that. Purdue and Indiana, you'll hear on the stations that you and I both work for. But let's start with Notre Dame and Vanderbilt. Notre Dame uh, takes on a Vanderbilt team that has some offensive weapons. Ryan Shermer, the Vanderbilt quarterback, the son of uh, Fritz Shermer, who's a longtime NFL coordinator. I think he had a stint as a head coach briefly with the Browns. Uh, Ryan Shermer, pretty good quarterback. He's got... Uh, A nice receiver whose name escapes me right now. He made 10 catches last week in their win over Nevada. So Vanderbilt offensively could give the Irish defense a little bit of a test. The problem for the Commodores over the years has been defense. Last year, they had the historically worst defense in the Southeastern Conference history. Oh, boy. They gave up 356 points in nine games. Uh, they, so that leads to a new defensive coordinator. I believe his name is Jason Tarver, and they've played fairly well, although they haven't faced any kind of competition yet. They've played Middle Tennessee State and Nevada. Now they come up and take on the eighth-ranked team of the country, and the first time that they've faced a non-conference-ranked foe since 1996 when they entertained Notre Dame down in Vanderbilt. Purdue lost one this past weekend. Purdue's 0-2 for the first time since 1996. They have to turn around and play Missouri, so an SEC team coming into West Lafayette. They beat the Tigers last year down in Columbia, so Missouri's going to have a little bit of chip on its shoulder when they come up here. And Jeff Brom's got to figure out his quarterback situation right now because neither one, David Blau or Elijah Sindelar, has played all that great. And Purdue's offense, which was... Fun to watch last year has been rather stagnant. You'll hear uh, that Purdue game on Pulse FM, which is 7.30, I believe, on Saturday night, and Pulse FM 92.1, 96.9, and 103.1. There we go. In Michigan. And then IU. IU 103.1 only. They play that Ball State team that you just saw at the stadium on Saturday. The Hoosiers are 2-0 and and feeling good about themselves after a very rainy win on Saturday night against Virginia, and they held on to win that one. But, I'm, hey, if Ball State plays with the kind of fire and energy that they played with at the stadium on Saturday, they could give Indiana all they can handle. Monday night football, who you got, Bears or Seahawks? 
Boy, well, that's next Monday night. We can talk about that on the show next Monday. But I would lean towards the Bears playing at home. Okay. On Facebook and on Twitter, at 46sports. Yes. Uh, myself, at my name is Corey on Twitter. Here's what also I like about Chuck's uh, Twitter account. Uh, birthdays. Gives me some great uh, sports nuggets, if you will, and then he throws me a daily Bible verse that uh, I kind of chew on uh, as my morning devotional. What did you have for us today? Well, funny you should mention that. Let me call that up here. It's uh, from chapter 6 of Luke, verse 9. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath rather than to do evil, to save life rather than to destroy it? Uh, This verse comes from Jesus goes into a church on a Sunday, and there's a man there with a withered hand, and he realizes that if he heals it himself on Sunday, all the Pharisees and Sadducees are going to say, hey, you did work on the Sabbath, that's wrong. So first of all, Jesus asks them this question, and then he just tells the man to stretch out his hand, and because he's Jesus and can do these kind of things, without touching him, the man's hand is healed. And so then the Pharisees and the Sadducees can't really say anything because, first of all, he's asked them this question, which is a worthwhile question. And secondly, he didn't touch him. It just healed itself, kind of. Mm-hmm. Good verse there, Chuck. Sports Yak, we're going to try to do this bi-weekly, if not more, uh, or whenever I can get a hold of Chuck, because he's a very busy individual. Uh, Thank you so much to the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Please hit the subscribe button and or the uh, rate the episode button, because that just helps uh, in in the big circle of life when it comes to podcasts. Uh, My name's Corey. That's Chuck. This is Sports Yak. Thanks for listening. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.